Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We are doing over unders and either ors. Over unders, we set like a number for the season for Ohio State for a player said, Will it be over or under this? Either or, we said, Will this guy do something or will this other guy do something? And we sent out nine questions to the tech subscribers. And we're, we have those poll answers from tech subscribers. And we have what we're going to say. It's a version of Market Down Monday. We're marking some stuff down, but we like over-unders. We might do some of these on the site as well. We like to make predictions. It really is much harder with the numbers, the, the raw numbers, with it not being a normal season. Because people still, as we sort of showed on the Market Down Monday, Nathan, as you, as you noted then, some people are still sort of sucking their head like what a, oh, a 1,500-yard season. It's like, yeah, well, that's a normal season. This isn't a normal season. This is an eight-game regular season. But they're by the way, they're playing nine games no matter what. Because even if they don't make the Big Ten championship game, they're playing on championship weekend that last week. They'll play the two-seed game, the three-seed game. So it's really a nine-game Big Ten schedule. And then if they make the playoff, that's 10. If they make the championship game, that's 11. So we're taking that into account. We're going to do our nine over-unders and either-ors, our picks, plus what the texters said. But, guys, I do want to have – we got some good interaction. We have a lot going on with the texters right now, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. But this is someone who just rep- listened to our podcast about the defensive line from last week and asked us this question from the 614. Are you guys 100% sure Jonathan Cooper is the fifth of five defensive ends? Didn't he play starter number of snaps in 2018 and then just wasn't himself at any point last year? He was a five-star guy after all. You guys are being awfully quick to place him behind even Javante Jean-Baptiste. He did. He was by far. Chase Young played the most snaps at end in 2018, and Jonathan Cooper by far played the second most amount of defensive end snaps in 2018. And then he had injury issues last year. Nathan, were we perhaps too quick? to slide Jonathan Cooper down our expectation list among the defensive ends. I don't remember us like putting him in ink behind Javante Jean-Baptiste as far as that rotation. I do think I would put him behind Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith at the very least. And I don't think that's anything crazy. And it's not really a, a knock against Jonathan Cooper. I think it's just what the impact that we've seen those guys start to make and where we maybe see the ceiling for them being as opposed to, what Jonathan Cooper has done, even when healthy. 
Stephen, what do you think? Do we uh, underestimate Jonathan Cooper? Yes and no. Uh, number 33 player in his class in 20, 2016. But I think what tends to happen at Ohio State is if you haven't done anything to a certain degree by a certain point in your career, we start to look at the guy behind you who is also a four or five star recruit. We're doing it with the wide receiver group right now. Cameron Babb has been injured. And so now we don't really talk about Cameron Babb. We talk about the four freshmen all the time. We talked about Garrett Wilson last year. And Jonathan Cooper has been here for five years. And there's talent behind him that has, we, has been proven in the past other positions may be just as good or better than him. And I think that's an exercise we do with a lot of positions. And Jonathan Cooper is just a victim of that in this situation. I think you're right. I think that does happen. He is very different than Cameron Babb. I mean, he was a starter. He was, yeah. a, he, was this, he was a starting defensive end in 2018, and then he was hurt last year. I thought when he did play, he was good. He was fine. I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was a super game-changing defensive end. So the idea of, hey, there's guys behind you, maybe they can do a little bit more. I mean, I think we did at some point say, I think I said, is he kind of like the, the, the fifth guy? Like he's like, you know, Chase Young was in 2017. Um, and I think maybe if you don't count on him, like for starter snaps or even full rotation snaps, maybe you make him better, right? You, you put him in when a, 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 an offensive lineman is wearing down and you play, you know, maybe he, he plays 25% of the snaps instead of 50 or 55 or 60% of the snaps. And that makes him that much better. So, and, but by the time you're, you know, the fact that he was almost as highly ranked as Nick Bosa in his recruiting class doesn't matter anymore. Or as you said, Steven, it's kind of like a, well, you know, look where Nick Bosa is and look where Jonathan Cooper is. Not that not being Nick Bosa, it doesn't mean you're bad, but, and to, to Nathan's point there, you know, both of you guys said there's always somebody behind you. So I think I, at least personally, perhaps I think the 2018 snap count is a good thing to point out. I perhaps underestimated him, but I'm also comfortable in my own head, thinking of him maybe fifth among those top five guys that he will have a role, but, Again, some of those younger guys have been waiting for a chance to do more while Coop has kind of had his chance and, you know, been good. But maybe maybe we'll wind up sort of fifth among a good group of five this year. I thought it was a good point. We appreciate every time texters chime in like that. And a lot of these guys were fresh, true freshmen in 2018. So once Nick Bosa went down, you really only had two guys with any type of experience to lean on. So – it's not like, you know, Tyree Smith was second or third year version and Tyler Friday were that. They were they had just gotten here six months ago. This isn't a perfect analogy, but I could see him having I could see him being kind of the Brandon Bowen of this season. Like a guy who had proven himself, then ends up having to miss what was essentially a full season. I know he got some games in, he got to play against Michigan, but he was pretty much not really a factor for all of last season. And then it could come back this year. Now he was he was a different kind of recruit than Brandon Bowen was. The position is completely different as far as your snaps and your usage. But I could see him having a season more like Brandon Bowen than, say, what we saw from like someone like Justin Hilliard last year, someone else who was a really highly ranked recruit, or, or Demario uh, McCall, who we still didn't necessarily see a big role for those guys uh, or even a big impact for them. It was a much more specialized thing. I could see Cooper having more of a, a regular impact. It's a good, it's a good, a good discussion point brought up by the texters. So we, we appreciate that. So a couple quick things for the texters, a reminder, this is your Tuesday podcast. Monday, we launched our online book. It's for tech subscribers only. So if you want to get in on it, you haven't missed anything. If you join the tech subscription now, you can go back and get the first chapter. Chapter two is coming out Tuesday. Chapter one was on Ryan Day. Chapter two is about the expectations for last season. So we're going to work through 13 chapters, tech subscribers only. We already see a couple people 
who have uh, joined the tech subscription since we launched this on Monday. And I don't like, uh, listen, there's some places, I'm serious. It's like they, they write a story. They, they tweet the story nine times to promote it. And, and there's, I can't believe how much, I hate on Twitter when someone like tweets at you, hey, good story. And then the person quote tweets it so that the whole world sees someone giving them a compliment. It's like, hey, thanks for that. And it's like, listen, can you just take the compliment and like just say thanks personally to the person? You don't have to retweet the fact that one person in the world thought you wrote a good story. There's a bunch of blowhard self-promoters on Twitter. Me among them. But I try to do it, do it cogently. I try, I try to do it with a targeted, specific mission. I don't just randomly say, hey, thanks for the compliment. But now we're trying to sell stuff. So like now I got to say, it. so, but I, so I tweeted this back out. These are some of the early reviews from the tech subscribers who have read chapter one. Really excellent work. This is amazing. Absolutely exceptional. That ending made me tear up. That's fantastic. Was that designed to make a single tear run down my cheek? That's just chapter one. Try it for free. It's literally free. Steal it from us. Steal it and bail. I'm begging you, take our content for free and then drop us like a corpse. Like drop us like a Christmas tree in an eight inch ditch. It's fine or, or stay, but really a good time to try the tech. 614-350-3315. And by the way, you're hearing this on Tuesday. The big Wednesday podcast is a live Zoom call Tuesday night for tech subscribers. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. If you are a tech subscriber, come in, hang out. I said the theme very well may be, it's kind of going to be like our season preview because by the time we do the big Wednesday pod next week, we'll be in game week and we'll be talking a little more specifically about Nebraska. I think it may be, could this be the greatest season in Ohio state football history? That may be a rough shell of the conversation, but once you get in that zoom room, you can ask us anything, literally anything. So you come, you join the zoom. You don't have to stay for the whole two hours. You dip in, you dip out. You can ask a question. You don't have to ask a question. You can just watch. You can just wave at us. You can, you can do like that fan of the Texas game and just give us a middle finger and then leave. You know, we don't care, but come to the Zoom. Tech subscribers only. So again, two big reasons to try the text right now. Send a text to 614-350-3315. And you get to do stuff like this. Our over-unders and our either-ors. Here's the first one. Who will lead Ohio State in rushing yards? The options I gave the texters were Trey Sermon, Master Teague, and Justin Fields. Some of these things I left in other, so you could type in an answer. I don't think I left in other here. Nathan, this is an either or, not an over under. On your either or, who's going to lead him in rushing yards? I took Trey Sermon. I don't have a great, like, detailed, big, um, beautiful mind sketch thing here on my wall as to why he's going to be the guy who leads him in rushing, it's more just like a gut feeling. I think he and Teague and Fields will all be like in a relatively clustered. So that may mean that Ohio State's leading rusher this year has like 600 yards rushing. I, it's, if, if they're going to split up the carries as much as we think they might, as much as they've been hinting about, um, it, it may just almost be an academic thing that he leads him in rushing. All right, that's a vote for Trey Sermon. Steven, go ahead. Who you got? I went Justin Fields, and it's solely on the preface of I think they're going to let him loose this year. Um, he didn't run it nearly as much as I think I thought he would in year one, and some of that is because of the depth behind him. They couldn't afford him getting hurt. 
And so it was, if you get out of the pocket, get away from pressure and throw the ball away. Now, every so often, he would take off and scramble, and sometimes it led to touchdowns or 11-yard gains and whatnot. But for the most part, it was, you get out of the pocket, you get free, and you throw the ball away. I don't think that's the case this year. I think there's going to be some third-down situations where they drop back to pass. Nothing is going to be there, and he's going to scramble. And that's where a lot of his yards are going to come from, especially late in games, maybe in the third quarter and fourth quarter where he drops back and nothing's there, and he gets a 12- or 13-yard scramble because of that. So it's more of that then it will be designed runs is why he'll end up beating this team in rushing. So we have a Justin Fields rushing question specifically up next, but, but coupled with a belief in Justin Fields comes questions, either questions about Sermon and Teague or a certainty in your mind that they're going to be so split that they'll both be behind Justin Fields. Is yours, is your, the fact that you went with the quarterback there, is it based more on your uncertainty about the running back or your belief that like, listen, man, they're each going to get 11 carries for 51 yards every game, and that's not going to lead the team. Yeah, it's more of that, especially, especially in those read situations where the quarterback gets to choose who gets to keep the ball. He might keep it a lot more often this year. It's, I don't have uncertainty in what Trey Sermon and Masters he can do. It's no different than last year. You didn't necessarily have uncertainty with Justin Fields' ability to run the ball. You just know that J.K. Dobbins was a better option. I think Ter- Sermon and T will be solid runners, but I just think the better option of the three is Justin Fields in those situations. I don't think it's impossible. So now we have a, we have a complete circle. I'm saying Teague. Um, I think I, I have, I think in the past, thrown out the idea of Justin Fields as a guy who maybe would lead the team in rushing. I can't remember if I said it was going to happen. I, I can't remember anything. The only reason that I'm saying that I threw it out in the past is because Nathan the other day said I threw it out in the past. I literally, I loved, I love doing podcasts. I love doing podcasts. I go back and I re-listen to them. I swear, we got a review the other day of somebody who said, this is the only podcast they listen to. Like, they're like, I don't listen to podcasts, but I listen to this podcast. That's what's re- what a reviewer said. I enjoy listening to this podcast because I do find it entertaining. And then as soon as I listen to it, and as soon as I say it, I cannot remember one thing that was said on it. So I have no idea what I predicted in the past, but I think possibly a prediction in the past for me, maybe could Justin Fields lead this team in in rushing was tied to some injury uncertainty around the running back position. What you guys heard from the running backs from Tony Alford, right? They're, they're getting there. Maybe master Teague isn't quite ready for a whole gigantic load at the start, but he's ready to play for Nebraska. And I just think they'll start with him. I think he'll be the steadier guy. I think if it's like a thunder and lightning kind of thing, he's the thunder, Sermon's the lightning. You know, what's another thing where it's kind of like big guy, fast guy, right? That's a whole thing, right? We can do a nickname thing for that. Okay, now we got to do that. If they're good, if they share the ball in, against Nebraska in week one, effectively, we will have to come up with something by the Penn State game in week two, right? I mean, everybody just did it with Lendale White and Reggie Bush, but people do it all the time. It's a whole, it's a whole big guy, fast guy thing. Like the master and commander? Master and Commander. That, that's, that's, I, that's how I tried to nickname uh, – who did I try to nickname? I tried to make a – oh, I tried to make Raekwon McMillan's nickname be, yeah, the candlestick maker. The I booker, the he, baker, and the candlestick master, maker. And he didn't master, is like, a, master is such an awesome running back name. I'm just going to be honest. The, well, it's oh, it just is. a great name regardless. It isn't know, whatever but, you're doing. But then you, you're look at, you look at him, the way he's physically built combined with the position he plays, that's – Great job by his parents. Well, no, actually his grandparents because he's named after his dad. So, 
And he's also a very religious guy. You could do like the sermon and the pastor or something ah, like that. The, the master sermon. I don't know. That's good. There is there's something, there is there's something, something here. There. Yeah, we, we have start. to we have to really we have to keep this one in the hopper. It's hard. It. It's hard because sometimes it's like yeah, sometimes it's like it's a good idea, but then I hear in my head like Tim May saying to Trey Sermon, "Hey, uh, you know, Master Teague, if he's master, does that make you commander?" And it's like, and it's like, is that is that where we want to go exactly? But there's a lot to work with there. There's a lot to work with, so we'll work on that. But I, that's how I. I mean, I just think maybe maybe it's a little more Teague and then Sermon in situations. So. Um, I, I actually feel pretty good about that prediction at this point that, that I'm wherever I was before, I feel pretty good about predicting master Teague right now, but I will tell you that the texters agreed with Nathan 64% said Trey sermon, 34% master Teague, 2% Justin Fields. Nathan, what do you think of that boat? I don't think I would put 64% confidence in my prediction there. I think it's much closer to 53 to 44 to whatever that leaves over 3%, something like that between those three. What do you think of that vote, Steven? Uh, I, I think it's close. I think it's maybe, maybe closer to 33, 33, 33. When you give somebody a 1% just because they're going to split those two carries and Justin Fields can really run the ball. So it's, 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 it's an up in the air toss up. I will say relative to, to Teague's pre- preparedness for a workload right now, when, when Tony Offered answered that question last week, he said, well, we don't know if he's ready for like a 60, 70 snap workload. Guess what? They're not going to ask any of these running backs mm-hmm. to do 60, 70 snaps right now. That's, that's like, he's basically saying like, well, if he had to be J.K. Dobbins, we didn't have a second guy. We didn't have a master Teague or all we had was a master Teague for lack of a better term. Like then he wouldn't be ready for that, but that's not what they're asking anybody to do this year. So I think Doug kind of just, maybe adding some credence to what you're predicting. I think, I think he's ready for whatever they need him to do health wise right now. And we can get into this like game week. I think it might be fun to do a bit of like, like predict like the carry breakdown for Nebraska. You know, I think that could Mm -hmm. be fun to do that next week. Uh, All right, let's get to question two that we sent to the Texers. Justin Fields averaged 35 rushing yards per game last year. JT Barrett averaged 65 rushing yards per game in his career. Just given context, because sometimes, you know, you send people a survey out of the blue at work and they're like, I don't know. Why would I know this? I have a life. Will Fields average over or under 50 rushing yards per game this season? So, again, he was 35 last year. JT was 65 in his career. Steven, you started down this path. Are you voting over or under 50 yards for Justin Fields per game rushing? Over, and it might be 50.7 yards per game, just because of the fact of scrambles can be 20-yard runs. That can happen. Just if I mean, if a team's in man and no one's open, he just takes off and no one's paying attention to him. There's 20 yards right there, so all he needs is 30. And if he's getting eight, nine, ten rushes again a game, and there's two or three of them that are these long scrambles, it's very easy for him to do this. So I'd take the over because he'll run more. They're gonna, like I said, they're gonna let him loose. And scrambles are unpredictable. They can be two yard gains or they can be 20 yard gains. Nathan, I think scrambles are unpredictable. Under. They could be two yards or they could be 20 yards. And there's going to be some games where he doesn't have any. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say even if he could get into the 40s, I mean, you could get around, you know, 40, even if you get all the way up to 45 a game and you end up with 500 yards over an 11 game regular season, I think that's a pretty reasonable prediction for him. I think crossing 50, though, um, seems unlikely just because of 
again, they have an offensive line where I think they're going to keep giving the ball to these running backs. I don't know that I believe that they're going to completely air it out um, and, and, and give fields just 50 some pass attempts a game or whatever. I think it's going to be much more conservative than that. And I also think that I, I just still don't believe that he's going to stay in all these games that deep when they start really crushing some of these bad teams in the middle of the schedule. I don't think they're going to risk it that much to keep him in the game late in games. I, I so I think he, he's going to have a better rushing season. Than he did last year. I just don't think he's going to cross 50. So I'll say this, Steven, I think if you are saying that Justin Fields is going to average over 50, but barely, right. Which is kind of what you said. Mm-hmm. If he averages like 52 rushing yards per game, I don't think he's leading this team in rushing. Because I don't, I, I don't think if, – if you look at 2018, when J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber split the load, J.K. Dobbins averaged 75 yards per game and Mike Weber averaged 73 yards per game in a split. If you look at 2017 when J.T. Barrett was a rushing threat, J.K. Dobbins averaged 100 rushing yards per game. J.T. Barrett averaged 57. Uh, in 2016, Mike Weber, who was not that great as a freshman, averaged 84 yards per game rushing. J.T. Barrett averaged 65. So I don't think their leading rusher is going to average like 52 yards per game this season. I think if you think that Justin Fields is going to lead the team in rushing, I think Justin Fields is more up like at 60 or yeah. 65 yards per game. So I did a little number crunching last year. In the, the three games after Justin Fields got hurt. So he got hurt against Penn State. Then they played Michigan. They played the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. They played Clemson. In those three games, after he was hurt initially at the end of Penn State, Justin Fields averaged 11 carries for 13 yards in those three games. Not healthy. They had four games in the middle part of the season, although one of them was kind of early, against Big Ten teams that they blew off the field that were never a game against Indiana, Northwestern, Maryland, and Rutgers. In those four games, Justin Fields averaged five carries for 19 yards, which is what you're saying, Nathan. Like, why are you running him? They're, they're killing they, – they, you, could, you could have – Wyatt Davis line up in the backfield and carry it 25 times and you would beat Rutgers. You could have, I mean, you could have tough Borland play quarterback as someone suggested the other day and beat Rutgers. Why are you risking the Heisman candidate? So that's when he's hurt. That's in a blowout. The other seven games, including a 21 carry game against Penn state where he got hurt at the end, but they needed him in that game. The other seven games that weren't a blowout and weren't hurt, he averaged 12 carries for 53 yards. So like a normal game when it's competitive and he's healthy, he, he averages 50 yards a game. So it's a matter of how many of those games do you think there will be? Will there be enough of those games to account for the fact when against Rutgers, they run him three times for nine yards. Is he going to have some other game where they run him 17 times for 91 yards to make up for that? So that's what's hard to figure out. Uh, the reason we do these over-unders and either-ors is to tell you something about the team. So I think I would say in the games that matter, I think for sure he'll average 50 yards per game. So now we're tr- rushing yards per game. So now we're trying to figure out, well, how many games are there going to be that matter? I'm going to go over. I am going to go over. Barely. But I think they'll need him just enough because I think the defense won't be quite as good. They'll need to lean on him. 
they'll want to showcase him. They don't want to get him hurt, but it's his last year in college. He, he stuck around for all this stuff. They're not going to wrap him in a bubble. They got to let Justin be Justin. And part of what Justin is, is a guy who can run the ball. So I think it will be close. It's a little risky. The safe pick is under for sure. The safe pick is under, but I am going to go over. I'm going to go over 50 rushing yards per game. Under was by far the vote of the texters. 78% under 50 rushing yards per game for fields. 22% over 50 rushing yards. Steven, when you hear that vote from the texters, what do you think? I'm actually not surprised because I think they're thinking maybe the opposite of mine, where I'm thinking they might let him loose and he might be able to run around a little bit more. They're thinking, well, he's not going to have time to run around because he's going to be throwing all these great receivers. And so he's just going to sit back there in the pocket. He's going to get the ball to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams and the four freshmen, whoever else, some tight ends as well. They're probably thinking more that's how they let him loose, where they're just going to be an air raid attack, and there's going to be no reason for him to be a part of the running game as much. All right, before we get to question three, I want to tell you something about something that's going to be going on. If you guys are, are, are someone or have someone in your family who has any questions about Medicare, and that's, you know, not everybody, but there are some people out there and sometimes you would like a little more information about this stuff. And like in the Zoom world, just like you guys can join us as a tech subscriber in our Zoom room on Tuesday night, you have to be a tech subscriber for that. This is for anybody. It's on October 22nd at 2, B at 2 p.m. It is a Medicare guide webinar featuring Terry Pluto. Everybody loves Terry Pluto. So this is something that anybody can be part of on October 22nd at 2 p.m. The webinar is presented by Cleveland.com and Medical Mutual and will help simplify the complex process of finding the right Medicare plan for your needs. Terry, together with our experts for Medical Mutual, Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging, and Discount Drug Mart, will guide you through the process and answer your most pressing questions. Go to our Cleveland.com Facebook channel and click on the Medicare event for more details and registration. Again, go to Facebook. People are on Facebook all the time. Cleveland.com Facebook page. Click on the Medicare event. Again, that's October 22nd at 2 p.m. if you want to join Terry Pluto for that. All right, more Justin Fields questions. Number three, Joe Burrow averaged four touchdown passes per game last season, throwing 60 and 15 games. Justin Fields averaged 2.93 TD passes, throwing 41 in 14 games. Will Fields throw more than 38.5 TDs this season in what could be an 11-game season if they go to the national championship game? We set the over-under on Justin Fields' touchdown passes at 38.5. Steven, you talked about this on the Outrageous Predictions podcast. Mm -hmm. Are you an over or an under on 38.5? I have to be an over because I have to – continue this. I mean, I, that was my outrageous prediction that he would be over. So I have to stick to that. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. It's not going to be near what Dwayne Haskins type offense was, but it's not going to be JT Barrett. It's probably going to be in the middle, but lean towards Dwayne Haskins because of the arm talent that Justin Fields is because of the talent in the wide receiver room. So yeah, it's, it's going to be over. You are getting perilously close to Justin Fields um, being like 80% of the offense, which is, I mean, not, not outrageous, but if you hit all your predictions, he's, he's, he's going to get every Heisman vote. He's going to be a landslide Heisman winner. But that's, <laughs> that's the kind of season you're predicting, running and passing at the highest level. Which sounds crazy, but then, I mean, 
he's his talent level allows him to do that. And so it's, it's, it's just when you just, when you look at it from like, yes, he can run, but also they want to throw the ball here. So it's, it's, yeah, I, we're reaching the point where it's, I'm, Justin Fields is probably going to have one of the best highs in seasons we've ever had. If all of these predictions for me come through. You are a very positive analyst of Ohio state football. Well, I'm waiting to be. What's that? I need to be. Yeah. Why do you need to be? I mean, when they do something positive, I'll say they do something positive. When they do, do something negative, I'll say they did something negative. Okay. I'll keep, I'll, I'll wait. I'll see if when they do something negative, I'll see, I'll see where you are when that happens. Oh. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steven. Hey, Steven, why are you being such a homer over there? I'll give you one. I'll I agree. Give, I'll give you a negative one. If the, if the offensive line recruiting isn't what it needs to be in 2022 and there's no quarterback and we're four months away from signing day, I'll have something to say. All right. Studs on alert. Steven's coming for you. Listen, like this is a lot. This is a lot. So what you said, what, 40 something on your outrageous prediction? Four, uh, 44. Okay. So 38.5 in an 11 game season is three and a half a game. So again, we said Joe Burrow averaged four last year. Justin Fields averaged 2.93 touchdown passes per game last year. So I am over on the rushing yards of 50 per game because I think he'll run for like 51. And I'm over on the 38.5 because I think he'll throw like 39. So like that's part of why we set the numbers where they are. So 38.5, I'm over, Steven's over. Nathan, are you over or under? I'm under, but I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you where I think it's going to be maybe just a little bit under that. A part of it is just when you're talking about these things that average out over course of a season, it always helps to have a Florida Atlantic, a Bowling Green, a whoever early in the season where you can maybe get – that's where you can get five, so you don't need to get four in every game, and they just don't have that this year. I know that I've talked as much as anybody about how the week middle of this schedule, and, and there's going to be obviously some opportunity to get some – pad some stats in there. I just think it makes it much tougher – to average four over the course of a season, especially again, when you have a, an offensive line this close, I think when they get down close to the goal line, um, they're going to have some opportunities to, to play with it a little bit and, 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 and throw the ball. But I also think they've got a great offensive line. They've got a quarterback who they trust to keep it. They've got the, the two running backs. Um, you saw other things they did last year. So I, I don't know. I think under 38.5 can still have a pretty great season. You get the 36, 37 touchdowns in an 11 game season. That's still pretty great. It's hard because we did this, we did do, even though I referenced touchdown passes per game in the question, we didn't ask touchdown passes per game. We gave an overall number. If you're only playing 10 games because you don't get to the national championship game, now you got to average 3.85 per game to be over, right? If the game's knocked out by COVID, now you got to get, you know, so, so that's part of this too, that I mean, 11 games is the max and you, you might need to get to the 11 games to have a chance at this, which is why, they all agree with us. Over. Over one. Over got 66% of the vote. Under 38.5 got 34% of the vote. So even though it's tough, this is where I think – so they were under on the rushing yards. That was a little much. But if you think, obviously, Justin Fields is a pass-first quarterback, there's a lot of belief there. So two to one, our tech subscribers think he will throw for at least – so, you know, we did a .5, so he can't have a tie. At least 39 touchdown passes this year. All right, when we come back, receiving yards, tight end stuff, sacks, defensive points per game, offensive points per game, all that ahead on this over, under, either, or podcast. You are listening to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. 
We're back. Who will lead Ohio State in receiving yards? The choices, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. I threw Jamison Williams in there just to have a third option. I did not give an other. Who is your pick, Nathan Baird? I don't have, again, great reasoning why, but it's, it's kind of just a gut feeling, but I think it's Garrett Wilson. I think they make him into such a prolific piece of the offense where they're rotating more on the outsides, but I still see maybe Wilson emerges as kind of this year's KJ Hill as just that reliable guy in the middle, but with another dynamic level above that. And I also think I could see a situation where he and Olave end up fairly close in receiving yards and he's the one that just ekes it out there. Steven, do we even have to ask Steven? Steven. (laughs) I, it's, it's not it's, it's not Garrett for me. I'm glad we differentiated between yard, yards and catches because if it was catches, yes, I mean, this is Team Garrett. Wilson over here. But I think it's going to be – I actually did an order. I said Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, and then Garrett Wilson. And I used 2019 as an example. Chris Olave uh, – K.J. Hill led the team in receptions with 57, and Chris Olave was second with 48. But he had 840 yards because a lot of deep ball actions. So he, he was able to rack up the yards a little bit. I think – Ben Victor was third on the team in yards with 573. He wasn't that far behind KJ Hill, 636. And I think it might be a similar situation here because, yes, Garrett is going to be so much more explosive in the, in the slot than KJ Hill was. But there's also going to be times where he catches a crossing route and immediately gets tackled because that's just how it works sometimes when you're going over the middle. While Jamison Williams is going to be on the outside, it might be a similar situation where he has 15 less catches than Garrett Wilson, but he has more yards because – it's more downfield opportunities. So you think Garrett Wilson will lead the team in receptions, but be third on the team in receiving yards? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. Can I pass? I don't know. I, I mean, no. I, think it's, I think it's a coin flip. I think it's a coin flip between Olave well, and Wilson. Coin. I, I have no idea. I said Olave. But, I, I mean, I will not be surprised at all if it's Garrett Wilson. But I did say Olave and so did our tech subscribers. 57% Chris Olave, 41% Garrett Wilson – and 2% Jamison Williams. So that doesn't surprise me. That sounds about right to me that it's kind of like a slight lean to Olave. He's the more obvious answer, but I also know there are plenty of Garrett Wilson stands out there. Um, and, and Nathan, I don't know. Nate, Stephen had a very reasonable explanation, but I'm not sure Garrett will like what he heard, Nathan, right? That, I mean, may, that may be the end. That may be. I'm sorry, Garrett. Forgive I mean, me. I mean, are you here to make reasoned explanations for your choices or are you just here to like back up your guy i mean come on like if you're gonna have a guy have a guy uh all right question five this is a good one we didn't get specific on necessarily as many individual players but this one we just it's we can't get away from it tight end jeremy ruckert had 14 catches last season in 14 games so that's one per game will he have over or under 19.5 catches this year and again, we're, you know, you assume a 10-game season, maybe 11. So he averaged one per game last year. Basically, it's can he average two per game this year? Nathan, over or under 19.5 catches for Jeremy Ruckert? So my outrageous prediction for Monday's pod was that Jeremy Ruckert would finish tied for the team lead in touchdown receptions with, I thought, I threw out the number like seven-ish, would lead, at, and maybe it's like a three or even four-way tie for first. And I'm standing by that outrageous prediction, even though I'm also going to take the under on 19.5 catches, simply because historical tight end usage for Ohio State, plus Luke Farrell, plus whoever else they line up at tight end, taking some of those targets, plus 
uh, well, mostly just like the, the historical usage, right? How State doesn't throw to the tight ends that much. So he could actually have a much better season, a, a bigger production, um, but over the, over 11 games, and it still may not get up to that level of catches. So under. So like a good uh, – even it's a good season for Jeremy Ruckert, but he still doesn't get to 20 catches. Yeah, like 18 in 11 games or something yeah. like that. Steven, over or under? Under, but I'm interested in it because I think, yes, Ohio State is not thrown to the – tight ends in the past, but also they've only had a, a 21st century passing game for three years now since Ryan Day got here. So, I mean, the quarterback talent probably didn't, you know, suggest that you should be also trying to throw the tight ends when you're, all, when you're barely throwing to the wide receivers as is. And just talking to a recruit today for a story that will be up by the time you guys are listening to this, I think they're headed in a direction where we're going to start saying whoever the tight ends are after record are going to be over – 19 and a half just because I do think the usage may go up just because ta- quarterback talent goes up as well. I said that with Natrix, but I think it's under for this year. I think the first couple of games we see what we saw last year where Rutgers gets the ball and he gets maybe five or six catches with two touchdowns and then it calms down. But also because last year it was only five receivers who were ahead of him, but then J.K. Dobbins, there might be a sixth receiver. So instead of being seventh in the receptions, he might be eighth. Is the reason that you think tight end usage is going to go up in the future, is it because that's what the coaches are telling the tight end recruits and that's what the tight end recruits are telling you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dear tight end recruit, this is how recruiting works. They tell you what you would like to hear. You know who else they told that to? Yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Ruckert. <laughs> I, I, I do see there is something to the, the, to the 12 personnel stuff, though. They weren't necessarily doing that in the past. So that opens the door for more – receptions to be had because that's a new wrinkle for Ohio State just giving out some hope here man I mean Urban's spread offense was not like a tight end heavy tight end friendly offense really like Ryan Day Mm -hmm. is running more like an NFL offense so you go 12 personnel sometimes so I I get that and that you know the H-back has a different role and that kind of thing um it's just one of the we haven't seen it yet I mean it's like Jeremy Ruckert puts up some numbers this year Luke Farrell as a point of information in 2018 in a 14-game season, Luke Farrell, as the top tight end target, had 20 catches. So he had 20 catches in 14 games. So could Jeremy Ruckert have 20 catches in 11 games? I don't know. Not impossible. I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going 21 or 22, like middle of the field. Justin Fields making more of those type of throws. Kind of a younger receiver group to some degree. Ruckert's been around different you know Garrett Wilson's kind of a different type of slot guy so then maybe Ruckert picks up maybe a little more of the traditional slot receiver type of catches so I I just do think maybe and also I mean you know there's there's maybe like it's Jeremy Ruckert's time you know again like they they tell you what you want to hear in recruiting but like listen man like that kid like that kid could have gone anywhere that guy is a talented pass catcher and like they don't throw (laughs) they haven't thrown him the ball so like maybe it's not that you're doing it only for that reason but I also think throwing Jeremy Ruckert the ball a little more probably also helps their them win while also like giving Jeremy Ruckert a little bit of a a reward you know for what he does well very close this is as close as anything we asked 54 percent under 46 percent over that's 19.5 catches for Ruckert this season so barely the tech subscribers said under. Defensive side, question six, who will lead Ohio State in sacks? I gave two options and I left an other, and the other got some, got some action. Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, or other? Steven, your answer. Tyreek Smith by a half a sack. 
I think that rotation kind of opens the door for, uh, for for the other, which is probably why it went up that way. But I just think I've said it before. I just Tyreek Smith's in year three, and this is his first year where he's going to be fully healthy and he's going to be a part of what's going on out there. I think he has some things he has to prove. While Zach Harrison, this will just be another step in his progression. Nathan. I'm going to take Tyreek Smith for this exercise. If I were betting it, I might take other as in like the field. Cause I think there's just enough other candidates that it might make the yeah. most mathematical sense there. But I also think that Tyreek Smith is another guy we were talking about Jeremy Ruckert, the end of this being his time. It's kind of Tyreek Smith's time too. I mean, they're, they're talking about this with a lot of guys on this team. I feel like right now, whether it's Nicholas Petit Frere or whether that's, um, you know, some of these defensive backs, but like, it's kind of Tyreek Smith's time too, right? This is his chance. He, he was a, a guy with a, a high ceiling when he came in here and he's been productive, but just in a, in a, in a rotational way. And in, in like a, you know, sort of spot starter kind of way. He's battled some injuries here and there too. If he comes in healthy and just kind of gets to, to let it all out, I think he could have a big year. I'm counting up the others. The others got uh, 9% of the vote. Who do you think were the guys who got most of the other action beyond Harrison and Smith? Who do you think, Steven? Jonathan Cooper and – just because of how somebody texted about Pete Warner, I'll throw him as the, in there as well. Nathan? I mean, I would think Tyler Friday might have got some love, and I would think Baron Browning probably got some love. Uh, speaking of people who don't remember anything they say on this podcast, I mean, the idea that – did not did Steven not predict that Baron Browning was going to have yeah. ten, 10 sacks? He moved, when he summer? thought he was playing the will. Will, yeah, he moved to Sam. No, but, That's why I threw but him this out is, This makes more sense. If he was going to play the will, it makes almost more sense to use him as a Russian sometimes if he's going to be on the field less as a linebacker. Like this, this, this is, increases his chances of playing more Russian that he's not the main linebacker who's on the field every time is going to lead the team in tackles. So the split of other, it was about like exactly split. Half the other was Browning, half the other was Cooper. There was like a Teron Vincent in there. There was a Sean Wade in there who I guess they think they're going to blitz What's the outside corner? Every other the same person gave that answer back when we did the market down Monday for leading the team in sacks, I think. And and it's one of those things. The the slack corner actually you do blitz sometimes. Yeah. Outside corner, like if you're gonna blitz the outside corner, that's very very rare. So um, I think Zach Harrison and so do the texters. Zach Harrison seventy one percent. Tyreek Smith twenty percent. I just I, when we talked about this, and again we're now. I hope maybe no one, ever, no one else remembers our podcast either. I forgot. We marked it down. Who's going to lead the team in sacks in what, in May? And now I'm sure we all just gave three different answers to what we said back then. <laughs> but I do remember back then yeah. me having a little bit of like, I'm not sure about Zach Harrison and someone being like, he is on the five-star path. Look at what he did as a freshman. He's on the exact five-star path. Compare his freshman year to the Bosa's or Chase Young. He's right on track. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Why do I have any doubts about Zach Harrison? So that texture back then, I don't remember what I said, but that texture made, like, made me reassess. And so I just think Zach Harrison's on the path. And I think the path for a five-star when you're a sophomore and you're like playing starter snaps, I think he gets like 0.8 sacks per game or something, right? I mean, that if it was a regular season, I think he'd have 10 or 11 sacks. And so in a, in a truncated season, I think Zach Harrison will lead him with like eight or nine sacks. So um, In comparison, Chase Young and – Nick, the other guys were going to throw him in the line with all the lead team in sacks their sophomore year. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's very logical and uh, I'm a little surprised. I was the only one who said Zach Harrison, but I'll take it. Question seven, getting into some team stuff. Ohio state allowed 13.7 points per game last season and 25.5 points per game 
in 2018. So they cut like 12 points per game, 11.8 points per game off their average in a year. Much better defense. We kind of went in between. We set the over-under on points allowed per game this season at 19.5. So it's about six points higher than last year, and it's six points lower than 2018. We did. We put it kind of right in the middle. Nathan, over or under 19.5 points per game allowed for the Buckeyes? I'm taking under. I guess it could get pretty close, right? I mean, if they were like 17, 18 points a game, I think that could still be a pretty good defense. I think especially maybe early on, um, they could give up some points, you know, not just because of the inexperience they have at some positions, but because we don't know for sure what's happening on the defensive line right now, etc. So I could see them giving up some points early on and getting better over the course of the season, especially as that, um, as that schedule just weakens in the middle. But I would, I would expect it to rise, but not that much. So a few, few points a game. Steven? Yeah, I went under true just because of what the schedule is. There's really only four teams I'm worried about when it comes well, – five. Penn State, Michigan, depending on you know, what, how good that Joe Milton is as a quarterback, but then also whoever they play in the Big Ten Championship game and then in the playoff. But other than that, I mean, they might be in some situations where – I mean, against Rutgers, Rutgers might only score three points. Or they might shut out Maryland. And so because it might – that might help their case. So if they're not giving up 28 points to Penn State or Michigan, I think that can be under. So if they, if they gave up 19.5 points per game right now, that would rank them as the 15th best defense in college football as we see all these problems defensively with college football. And again, last year's scoring defense from last year, seven of the top 10 from last year have not played a game yet. So because defense has been screwy, because they're not playing any non-conference games, so you don't get to, you know, put up a three or six point defensive effort against Buffalo or Bowling Green, but you also don't have to play Oregon who might've put some points on you. But I think generally the non-conference is a chance to, for the defense to show out. I agree with you, Steven. Yes, they have some bad teams on the schedule, but you know, other than Rutgers, I'm not sure anyone's completely incompetent. You know, I mean, like I think Maryland might score a little bit. I mean, we've talked a lot about Michael Penix in Indiana you know, I'm not sure that Michigan State's going to be much of an offensive team this year, but, I mean, they, they always have a couple dudes, right? So I'm saying over. I say they give up more than that, 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 that they are not a, a top-10 defense in scoring defense, that they're, like, 21st, 18th. And just like in a year where you're not playing on conference games and where we've seen lots of teams give up lots of points, and I guess it's one of those things, I mean, if you get in a game where – you get in one or two high scoring games where you're giving up in the thirties and you're beating somebody 49, 31 or something. Now that puts you up there a little bit. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be 25.5 or whatever it was like a couple years ago, but, but I am going to go over. I, I'm going to go over on that. I was going to say fairly confidently. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but like mm-hmm. I, 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 that, I, that wasn't a super tough decision for me, but the texters agree with you guys. 78% said under. 19.5 points per game, 22% said over 19.5 points per game. You could definitely see them winning games like the Nebraska game, the Indiana game, like 52 to 24 as being like the final score. And it could be 52 to 10 going into the fourth quarter or something like that. You can definitely see ways where that average gets pushed up kind of artificially. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's part of it for sure. Uh, All right, two more to go. We'll get back to our eighth and ninth questions on our over-unders and either-ors right after this on Buckeye Talk. 
Now, offensively for Ohio State, and this is related, and I just made this exactly in line with my outrageous prediction. So it was outrageous, but I didn't, I didn't change it from that. I said that Ohio State would become – no team has averaged more than 50 points per game since 2013. Ohio State set the school record last year with 46.9 points per game. I said they're going to get over 50 for my outrageous prediction. That's what I set the over-under at, 50. Are you over or under 50, Stephen, for this entire offense? I'm under. And the reason why is they might be at 50 points per game going into the playoff, but then they get into a – maybe defense is figured out for everybody, and then they get into a situation like they did with Clemson where the score is 28 to 21. And all of a sudden, you're not averaging 50 anymore. That's just a very hard stat to keep up all season. Or maybe you have a game when your offense is a little wanky, and so you don't so – you get held to some field goals when you maybe should have scored some touchdowns. And so because I it, – maybe it's 48 points, which, I mean, that's – heck of a season, but I just think that's maybe more the area they're going to be in because they're going to play some better teams when, if they win a national championship. That's a very good point. I, I do not think that if Ohio State plays Clemson, the final score will be 56-52, right? That just that yeah. doesn't sound like how that game would be no matter if how they play Bama, they might, it might be. I mean, I, I, think, I, think, I think Nick might get it figured out by then. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it'll be like that. Nathan, are you over or under? Under, I, it's just so tough when you have, again, like what I was saying before with Justin Fields is passing touchdowns when you don't have those games that look like they're 72 to six in your sleep, then it just, it's tougher when you're playing only conference games and then only the big 10 championship game and possibly a postseason. It's just, that makes it tougher to keep that average up over 50. I think they're, and, and I was looking at it like, which games do I think absolutely they're going to score 50? Cause you can destroy a team and not get to 50 points just because, for whatever reason, just a number of you didn't receive the first kickoff and then you're winning by so much that you just have less possessions, fluky little things. So um, I, I'm taking the under. I think they'll still score in the high 40s, though. So. so I obviously am taking the over, even though I almost thought about taking the under because it's like, well, I, it was my outrageous prediction. I was being outrageous. But like if I actually had to pick it, am I? But I am. I'll pick it. I'll go over 50, obviously, barely. To your point, Nathan, a year ago, how many times did they sco- score over 50? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the 14, they were over 50 last year. And then they were in the 40s, one, two, three, three times. So, you know, they're going to have to ratchet it up a little bit from there. Um, And it's weird, actually, like the non-conference last year, they scored 76 against Miami last year. That really helps. But they did not get over 50 against Florida, Atlantic, or Cincinnati. So some, you know, they were scored 50 in some of their conference games. So um, I am over sticking to my guns, the under one 61% of the tech subscribers said under 50 points per game. 39% said over 50 points per game. It's a high bar against school the thing record that could- last year, 46.9 last year's school record. The thing that could actually help your argument, though, is the reason they maybe didn't score 50 against Cincinnati is because they didn't have to. They're up 42 to nothing, I think it was. And there's no reason to keep the foot on the gas late in that game. But if it's a 42 to 20 game, then you're keeping the foot on the gas longer. So that makes it more likely that you score up higher this year. And that's almost the problem with it is if they're going to average 50, the first unit has to average 42 points a game in those blowouts because then you're only asking – in a game, in a game where say you have forty, it's forty-two to nothing going into the fourth quarter. You're asking your second and third unit to score a touchdown and a field goal instead of asking them to do a lot more than just that. Which 
I mean, listen, we, we've talked a lot about how much are they going to keep the starters in? How much are they going to push it? How much are they trying to look good? And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to have like a comprehensive thing to my answers. I don't want just everything to be pulled out of left field, but I said over on the defensive number and over on the offensive number. And that a little bit goes hand in hand to me, Nathan, what you said, well, they're giving up a few more points, so they might score a few more points. And I'm going over on some of like the big Justin Fields numbers because I think he'll stay in and, and put up some of the numbers because they are trying to make his Heisman case and they don't have as many games to do it. And, you know, I just think, I think there are some things that could come into play that again, we're talking about, it's going to be a great offense. They score, are they going to score 44, 47, 49, 51? Uh, does it matter? Does it really tell you much about how great they are? So we're trying to get a little bit in the, in the comprehensive overall feel for the team and also what's going to be in Ryan Day's head. But they just, I just think that, do you guys think that has to be some factor? They just don't have as many games. Like, like Georgia and Alabama are playing Saturday. Like that, that is in the books before Ohio State can do anything to impress anybody. So, you know, the winner of Georgia, Alabama is going to be getting a lot of oohs and ahs all week from all of national college football. And then Ohio State's going to come out against Nebraska. I don't think they're going to shut out Nebraska. So if Nebraska's going to score a few points, I don't know, man. Like Ohio State might want to score 60 to show people what's up. They might want to beat Nebraska 63 to 21 because I'm not sure they're going to beat them 41 nothing. Right? So I just, I just think there might – and they might want Justin Fields to throw six touchdown passes against Nebraska and stay into the middle of the fourth quarter to do it. I just think a lot of stuff like that might be in play for a lot of different reasons this year. Now we're going to make fun of Rutgers. Um, a, a texter said, I should have asked for my final thing. Will Ohio state score more points against Michigan or against Rutgers? But instead I said, that was a better, I said that was a better question, but the survey was already out. So I apologize. Ohio state has scored 56, 49, 58, 56, 52, and 56 points. And it's six wins over Rutgers since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. How many points will the Buckeyes score against Rutgers this season? I set the over-under for this at 60. Steven, over 60 or under 60 for the Buckeyes against Rutgers? Under. They only scored 42 points in that game last, se- last season. No, 56 points in that game last season. And I think we might run into a similar situation where I think Justin played one or two series in the third quarter. I, if, if there is a game where he only plays a half, it's going to be the Rutgers game. I think in the other games, they keep him in there for three quarters just for the simple sake of, you know, stats, Heisman, all that stuff. I don't think you need to – you're not proving anything by running things up on probably the most incompetent team in college football right now. So because of that, they, they, they'll take their foot off the gas once he comes out the game and it'll turn into a running game. And they might get 56 points or 59 points, and that's still under. So your reasoning is you started off by saying they only scored 42. Whoops. I mean, 56 against Rutgers yeah, last year, which is only four points away from the number yeah. that we're asking. Will they get this it's year? Still under. I do and, think and he thinks the offense will be higher scoring this year than it was last year. Overall. I mean, no, no, I said under, I said under 50 points per game, but right. But, for, but for, and 46.9, but you, I think we, you think more than 46.9. Listen, yeah. Rutgers stinks. And the one thing, uh, was Shiano the coach last year? I can't remember. No, no, no. He wasn't the coach last year. I don't know. Like Ryan Day and Greg, you know, Greg Shiano was nice to Ryan Day when Ryan Day was the interim head coach. And, you know, Ryan Day kept saying how much Kevin Wilson and Greg Shiano, his former head coach, has helped him. I don't know if Ryan Day wants to drop an 80 spot on Rutgers and Greg Shiano. I mean, he might not want to do that to Greg Shiano. But you know what would get a lot of attention? 
I'm just saying, even against a terrible team, you know it would get a lot of attention? Justin Fields throwing eight touchdown passes. Do you think that would be on SportsCenter? Justin Fields throws eight touchdown passes. Would it be on SportsCenter? Would yeah, it be on SportsCenter? Yeah. I don't watch SportsCenter. Don't most games like that get on sport like most games involving like top 10 teams get on sports center still? but like would, would svp be talking about it on the on like the whatever the thing at night like wouldn't they talk about that the last SVP? thing yeah or something eight, yeah, he, he eight touchdown passes would they talk about it would people talk about it would it help at heisman his heisman case even though rutgers stinks and everybody knows that eight touchdown passes would it help yeah so are you are you insinuating that they scored another way as well because that's only 56 points i think they'll find they'll find Ways that that's like eight in the first half. I'm just saying, like, I just think I'm pushing the envelope on them pushing the envelope. That's where I think I am going into the year. And so that's why I'm, I have a lot of overs on this stuff, but I'm over 60. They haven't ever scored 60, but they also haven't, haven't ever played in a pandemic when they only have nine games for their guy to make a Heisman case. So I'm over 60 on Rutgers. Stevens under Nathan. What are you? So, by the way, if you had done the Rutgers-Michigan thing the past two years, two years ago they scored more against Michigan than they did against Rutgers, and last year it was the same score, 56. So mm-hmm. that would have been actually a really interesting, maybe better question than the one we're answering. <laughs> but um, I'm going to take under, and it's it, for me, I think a lot of the reasons why maybe our texters, I'm interested to hear what their vote was, um, because I think they would have probably been inclined to say, well, Rutgers, because of all the problems they've had with COVID, maybe that would open the door even more for Ohio State to just accidentally destroy them by an even higher score. But they're playing them in the third game of the year. I think Rutgers will still have things together at that point. I think the Shiano factor is something here. I think it's a more competent coach than Rutgers has had in a few years. And I, I, I know that he's not going to change things overnight, but I think it does maybe help you in terms of just an embarrassment level sometimes. So I'm going to take the under. I think they're still not going to have any trouble clubbing Rutgers. So the thing you have to take into account when trying to figure out how our texters are going to vote on this is that our texters like it when we make fun of Rutgers. So <laughs> that yeah, too, yeah. <laughs> that as much as that, and that's why, I mean, they also love, you know, trolling Michigan, but um, I think that, I think that would be a good survey. Which teams, which Ohio state opponents do you enjoy trolling the most? I think Rutgers would be second yeah. to, to Michigan unless Clemson would get in there somehow. Because people do not – they don't like Dabo. But, but you can't like, really troll Clemson because they keep beating them. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So I think Rutgers is second. Sorry. So there's no way that this was not going to be over 60. 68% of the people said they'll score 60. 32% said they'll be under 60. And frankly, I'm shocked that those that 32% under 60 was that high. I thought it might be 90-10. Who is going to take a tech survey – you get to the ninth question. You're at your job. You're like, why is Doug bothering me? Can I please live my life? Are they going to score? They score 60 against Rutgers. Uh, let me think. Well, I think Rutgers defensive line will be able to get. No, just slam that over 60 button. But 32% thought about it and decided that maybe Ryan Dale take it easy on Greg Schiano. All right. So that's week three. I was going to say, I don't even know when they're playing. It's week three. Yeah. And it's, it's at Ohio stadium. Yes. Okay. Correct. Thank God. Oh, like, you know, the worst thing than a trip to Piscataway is a trip to Piscataway during COVID. Yeah. 28 days going on around us. No, you need to think like Jim Delaney. It's not a, Jim Delaney. It's not a trip to Piscataway. It's a trip to New York City. It was last year. Actually, we had a great time last year. So that's yeah. a great travel. I, I go to New York City every time I see a show every time I go. Um, so I, I love I, I love going to New Jersey. I don't love going to New Jersey. Although the one time we were there, we made Tim, we made Tim Bielek eat triangle New York style pizza, it changed his life. 
I was like, my what? God, this guy's Tim Bielek, when we went to Landis and I were like, Bielek, we're going to eat like East Coast pizza. And he's like, I've never had pizza that was East Coast pizza. And then he was like, we went to some like little place in Jersey. I think we asked like, like, Bro. like listeners and stuff. No, we went to like, well, yeah. <laughs> but we didn't even go. It was like just like a Jersey place. It, it wasn't even like in New York City. And we just got like the local neighborhood good sliced pizza. And he was like, wow, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, I know it is. So great trip. Not and then you get then after the game you go to a diner. Then you go to a diner afterward. You diner go to was good. Diner. Yeah, Stephen and I, Stephen and I split a good neighborhood pie last year in Jersey. I yeah, thought. yeah, it was good. All right. Yeah. So it's a good trip. Right. Well, now, now I wish I was going to Jersey. I mean, it's the old. It's, I, I mean, like the DC trip. No, you don't. <laughs> I, I do. I, I'll trade. I I prefer the Maryland trip though. I'm a DC guy. I love DC. I'm looking forward to the Maryland trip. Yeah, DC's fun too. And again, no offense to like East Lansing and West Lafayette and everything else, but it's like, you know, at some oh, point it's like I'll offend them. I'll, I'll go to I'll go to New York City. I mean, like that's fine. If, yeah. if you know, if New York City was like right next to East Lansing, then I would like going to East Lansing too, but you know, there's the college campuses kind of blend together. It's a nice little getaway. So anyway, uh Rutgers stinks and Ohio State is going to score 60 on them. Okay, thanks for the over under participation to our tech subscribers. Again, there's a lot going on. Great time to jump in. Try the text subscription. You're now in the window because we text a lot on game day. We text a lot on game day. And it's going to be interesting because, like, fans aren't going to be able to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to be able to give you some insight what it's like in the stadium, right? When, when you get in there, what's the scene? It's going to be really good game day texts. And if you start now on the free trial, you get them for free. Because it's a 14-day free trial. We're 12 games. We're, by the time you hear this, 11 days away from the first game of the season for Ohio State against Nebraska. So get in now. Get the, the book, the online book, free. Get in for Tuesday night Zoom thing, free. Get in, have the text on game day in 11 days, free. And then bail. I want to say, I'm, I'm somebody who, because you're trying to, like, read other papers, you're trying to read – what other other sites and you always have to end up signing up for these things for free that if they that after the free trial then the 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 thing kicks in and it's such a hassle to remember to go in and cancel even if you remember then you have to go through so many steps to cancel we have the most easiest cancellation thing you just text don't tell them don't tell them don't tell them i'm just kidding you just text back at us and say stop it's the easiest thing that's what that should be a selling point here to get you all to try the text you get the text from us and after those two weeks are up, make a little note in your calendar on your phone that pops up and say, text, stop back to us and remind yourself to do that if you don't want to keep doing it. It's that easy. And if you like it, it's a buck a week for a thing that you love. That too, yeah. But yeah. four letters. You type S-T-O-P and you're out. And that's it. So anyway, I mean, it's really a, it's a no-lose situation. If you bother to do this, if you've gotten to this point of the podcast and you like this enough, that you're here at this part, part, this point, this part, and you just listened to us debate diners in, in Piscataway, and you're still here. You're still with us. You're probably a tech subscriber. Like you're the kind of person who would enjoy it. If you got this far, by definition, you like us enough to try this thing for free. All you do is send a text to 614-350-3315 and see what it is. All right. Big Wednesday podcast will be the live Zoom call again, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday night for tech subscribers. Um, final Buckeye Retalkables for now will take place on Friday, and it's going to be Ohio State Bama. We're doing the national semifinal from 2014. We have not yet done the 2014 team. 
You knew we were going to do it. We'll look forward to it. It's going to be fun. So that's going to be the Buckeye Retalkables this week. And we have some interviews. Nathan, real quick, update everybody. What's our interview schedule with Ohio State players and coaches this week that will bring some information probably about that stuff on the Thursday pod and also at cleveland.com slash OSU. We have Corey Dennis and Justin Fields on Tuesday. We have, I believe, the safeties and Matt Barnes on Wednesday. And I th- Ryan Day is on one of those two days, and it's escaping me which he's, one. He's Tuesday. The Tuesday tomorrow. So we get him back. tomorrow, and then obviously yeah. he'll have his radio show Thursday. So we'll hear from him a couple times this week. But, um, yeah, I mean, and then it's, then it's game time, man. It's, we're right in it. It's next week. It's crazy that it's got here this fast. We get I mean, this slow, this slow, but also this fast. All right. So thanks to you guys for joining us. Uh, again, make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the reviews uh, for uh, Apple Podcasts. We certainly appreciate those. And again, we've talked a lot about the text because we just, we just happen to have a lot going on with the text. We always have a lot, but there's even more than usual right now. So for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk.